Hi everybody, I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzy. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 59, we'll say. Yes, that's the one. Cool. Alright, tonight we are going to finally be touching on Brightest Day, which is, as we record this, it's up to its third issue. Well, actually, as we record this, the fourth issue came out, I think, today. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. Yep. That's weird. All right, I guess. All right, well, we're going to talk about the first three. Yeah. Oh, that means I should be getting that on Friday, too. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> so are we going to cover this book by book, or oh, what? Oh, God, no. <laughs> A one one giant lump sum. I yeah, because honestly, cause I reread these three like back to back last night. Yeah, and there's you, you can't. I mean, I'm sure by the time we get towards the middle and end of it, we'll be able to talk about them individually. But right now, you just there, there's not enough there, you know. Okay. So, <laughs> all right, Bryce Day one to three. Its creative team is. Various. Alright, <laughs> right. so you got Aquaman and Mera are saving some young kids from pirates only to find that Aquaman, he can only summon dead sea life now, and he can't control it once it shows up. Uh, you know, his, his return at the end of Blackest Night got the attention of the uh, good old Legion of Doom alumni, Black Manta, who's really pissed off and stabby. Um, Jason and Ronnie, who are two halves of Firestorm at the moment, can't think that they can't separate. They can't pull apart. They're stuck in Firestorm mode. Uh, Professor Stein and the Atom kind of they team up to try and fix Firestorm, but something weird goes wrong and they explode. Uh, Jason and Ronnie do end up separated, but neither of them know what happened, and it seems like Stein and Adam are withholding information from both of them. John Jones, the Martian Manhunter, learns that the scientist who brought him to Earth originally, way back, also brought another Martian be- like right before him, and this one was a killing machine who's just ugly. <laughs> and that and that Martian's apparently been living here in secret on Earth all of this time, but something about about Jean returning to life at the end of Blackest Night has sparked this this Martian to forsake its cover and go out on the move, you know, it's, and it's leaving a trail of bodies in its wake, including, like, the, especially the the family it had been blending in with, the human family. Um, Hawkman and Hawkgirl continuing to track down their stolen original bodies that used to be at the center of the Zamoran Central Battery. Uh, they track them to the South American jungle, where Half-Set, the guy who's been killing them over and over and over again through the ages, He's been using every single set of their corpses to build a big old Stargate, and the original bodies that stole are basically the keys to starting it up. And while all this is happening, the White Ring is teaching Dead Man, a, well, a live man, Boston Brent, whatever. It's teaching him a lesson about self-preservation by way of one cool as hell cliffhanger as he's forced to learn the value of uh, staying alive by having to face down a pissed off anti-monitor. Which you call Your your sound quality is like kind of going up and down, Dan. Really? 
Um, yeah, so what about if you record your your half on your computer? Okay. All set? Yep. Okay, good. <laughs> so where should we start with this discussion, Dan? Uh, I don't know. I mean, is is there any... Is there any part of this that stands out to you as, like, I guess, particularly interesting, we'll say? Um, okay, well, I, I mean, I guess the the one, the thing that, like, that pops out to me that's, you know, especially worth mentioning is the whole ba Black Manta, you know, thing. Mm -hmm. he, he's working in a fish shop, which I thought it was interesting that basically, like, right now, he slaughters fish for a living. Yeah. Like, that That was an interesting, you know, little uh, little thing there. But somebody says, you know, you hear that, pal? You know, Aquaman's alive. And he murders everybody in the fish market and then basically runs into the ocean and pops out of the ocean again in his Black Manta outfit. He burns his house down, too, or is that... No, he burns the market down. I, I mean, it's like... like what the hell is that? That does... Like, okay. There's crazy. And then <laughs> there's, like, completely insane, like, off the hook. Like, okay, that was completely uncalled for, even if you were an insane villain. Yeah. It just, it seems like, it, that's, like, over the top, you know, almost to the point of idiocy. Oh, so you didn't like it. I mean, like, I liked the fact that they introduced him. You know, because I, I think it'll be cool having, you know, a villain for Aquaman, but I don't know, like, the way that they went about it is just, like, bizarre. It was just bizarre. Well, they're fighting against the Super Friends. You know, they... <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's the same thing that I keep saying about Aquaman. Black Manta, like, he, the only real mainstream media exposure this character has ever gotten was Super Friends. Right. So anybody who's reading this who hasn't been exposed to Black Manta in comics in the past is most likely going to come to the table with that in mind. So they, I think they wanted to, to reinforce right off the bat, you know, that is not what this character is. This is a actual extreme threat. I don't know. I guess turning the dial up to eleven or whatever was like the quickest way to do that <laughs> and like cemented in everybody's minds. I, I hope that they, like, at least explain to some extent, like, why he went, like, that nutso overboard. Well, otherwise it's just going to make him seem like, you know, like non like a non-believable, you know, villain. I mean, when you, when you have a bad guy that looks like this, <laughs> you, you kind of need him to be as threatening as humanly possible. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, just look at him. Like, even in the comics, even in that last page shot, his outfit is still blatantly ridiculous. So, <laughs> like, they need to... They, I think they kind of need to darken him up as much as possible character-wise to counterbalance the way he his costume actually looks and the mm -hmm. reputation he has from TV. I, well, I guess as long as we're on the, uh, the topic of uh, enemies of Aquaman, we might as well go into Aquaman. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I actually, I really liked in the, uh, the first issue how they kind of, they kind of reinforce to you that, like, okay, Aquaman's kind of tougher than he's given credit for a lot, because, like, 
Like he's taking he's taking like repeated like machine gun fire to the torso and face and he's not really even flinching. He gets like like one drop of blood off of his skin. But yeah. he's like he he comes off as a force to be reckoned with here. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's that's definitely a good point. They they reinforce that right off the bat. And they you know, they also show Mera with her, you know, ability to control water. I love seeing that water dragon with like a guy in its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like how she, she made a point of uh of saying it's like, you know, she made a, a point of um working in her her rage. Feel my rage. Yeah. Well not even just that, but what really got her rage to swell up was violence against children. Yeah. And she's lost a child. Right. That's a good point. Was it Black Manta that killed her kid? I don't remember. I think so. I think that's what they ended up revealing. The fact that they, like, made a point of referencing Mera's people, how, like, they were completely closed off and they wouldn't be able to help. Mm, yeah, that's gotta... <laughs> They wouldn't just bring that up for no reason. Yeah. Like, here's a completely random thought. What about your people? You mean my <laughs> people from the water dimension? <laughs> yes, you're, those people from the water dimension. And how, like, Atlantis, which... Like, I, di I didn't know Atlantis was still standing, but apparently Atlantis is still around, but they're, they're uh, purposely cutting themselves off from that, too. Yeah, and it just so happened that Martian Manhunter was not around... To be able to help out Aquaman. How do you... What? Well, no, they, they said that, you know, it's like, you know, Martian Manhunter's not around. Um, when they were, like, trying to find somebody to help out and explain why he was only... Oh, that's right. ...able to contact dead fish. Oh, yeah, I got, I got confused, because the... Um, Jason makes that same point in the Firestorm thing. How, like, if, if Jean was there, he could hear Jason inside Ronnie's head, but... You know, instead, Ronnie's the only one that can hear Jason. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It's almost like they put Martian Manhunter back on the table, and yet they're also keeping him off the table. Yeah. yeah. I th it's it's a good way to reinforce that these characters and their stories are going to eventually need to intersect. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's true. That's, yeah, that's like they're setting it up for that. Speaking of the Firestorm story, do we know who drew this thing? Because this is... the ugliest th artwork I have seen in a long time. I don't know if that's, uh, or that was it Ardian Syaf? Oh, wait, no, I think that's Joe Prado. Okay, yeah, it's either Joe Prado or Scott Clark, and I'm leaning towards Joe Prado. Alright. I do not like this at all. <laughs> I don't think I really have a problem with it. Well, you can have it, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like, uh, with, uh, what's the issue two? Issue two, the art was good. You didn't like that? With, like, the atom shrinking down? Or, like, actually increasing or whatever? Whatever he was doing? Like, on that title page where the atom, like, comes out of the vent and you see him in his, like, special radiation heat suit or whatever it is. Right. He looks too much like a posed action figure to me. You know? And... But just overall, like, I don't like how... I don't, everyone looks, like, extra angry, angular and lean and mean and... I don't know. I'm just not I, into it. Well, I think I think that kind of fits the story. You know, like, uh, everybody's, like, in this particular story, you know, like, with everybody else, it, it's it's much more 
there's much more hope and possibility because they all just came back to life. But with this, like all of a sudden they come back, but then they're instantly trapped together in the Firestorm Matrix. They both don't want to be in it. You know, they're angry and everybody else is worried about them. So, I mean, like it kind of, it's kind of a situation where, you know, the angles kind of reinforces all that. Oh yeah, no, and they, but my thing is they could do that without an art style that doesn't look good. Oh, I, I, mean, I don't know. It's just my personal preference. Like, I do not like this guy's pencil work. I, I just don't. Okay, I do. So, suck it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think it, it was cool in the first issue how, like, they had, like, the screen of all the different firestorms. Mm. Um, I think it was odd that the Atom was, like, looking at the Firestorm Matrix and he didn't realize that something was up automatically with that third blip. Yeah, they're they're totally... I mean, I think the reveal happens in issue four, but they, they're totally beating around the bush with telling us what's going on with Firestorm, even though they're like... I, I, I can't see someone who read Blackest Night reading this and not instantly knowing where it's going, at least to, to some degree, you know? Mm, yeah. And we we'll, won't say it here just in case, but you know, I mean, come on the the explosion turned everything into salt. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, where do you? Th who? What? What else could it possibly be? You know, like the really weird thing is that they kind of reinforce in here that um, by issue three that nothing in the you know the atom was fine. You know, the atom did not get converted to salt. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, so you're, you're still not able to transmute organic matter. Like, the Black Lantern Firestorm was able to. I mean, like, that's a very good point. How come the Black Lantern Firestorm was able to when they're not? I think it might come down to Jason. Because Jason, when he was Firestorm, when he was, like, the primary in that merger, he could affect organic matter. Like, he didn't have Ronnie's limitations. But now, when these two are merged together, Jason's on the inside, like, Ronnie's the primary. Like, uh, and actually, now I'm saying it out loud, not only that, but Jason and Ronnie are op opposing each other. So they're probably not getting the most out of Firestorm's capabilities that they could if they were working together. So wait, so who, who was able to do organic matter? Jason. Jason was. Like, after Ronnie died and Jason became Firestorm and he had his own series, he could affect organic matter with no problem. Okay. And when, like, when uh, Black Lantern Firestorm sucked him up, maybe that's how Black Lantern Firestorm could uh, turn his girlfriend Jen into salt, because he had Jason in there, and, like, the whole Black Lantern feeding off of him thing was kind of... Like, he was kind of, like, trapped and subservient in there to a degree, even though he was trying to fight. Gotcha. Okay. And the other thing that I was thinking of was in uh, issue three, the way that Jason kind of lashes out at his father when the father's like, you know, we're going to go home back to Detroit. It, it makes me wonder if when they split this, I, you know, it, I almost feel like this, the, like the black, well, I mean, like, you know, we both, we're both thinking it everybody's suspecting it, that 
the Black Lantern Firestorm is still around, you know, in some way, shape, or form. And it came back when Jason, oh, not Jason, uh, Ronnie was brought back to life. I mean, that's that's the theory. That's the leading theory that we basically share. My 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 theory is that like when they were brought back to life, you know, that Black Lantern aspect of Firestorm was basically more within Ronnie. And I'm I'm wondering if when they split this time, if it kind of you know infected both of them, and now it's gonna you know have them kind of like. Uh, you know, having the, the Black Lantern effect on their loved ones while they're alive. You, you see what I'm getting at? Yeah, I do. I don't... Hmm. I guess I could see them going that way, but... I think there was enough... I mean, I I will say this. I think... I think it's pretty clear by now that just about everybody that came back... Or I won't say just about everybody, but for a lot of people that came back, their Black Lantern-ness is still kind of latched on to them to some degree. You know, Aquaman can only summon dead sea life. Uh, you know, this whole thing with the Firestorm Matrix. I think I think uh, the Black... I think that is affecting Jason, but I think that's just because, you know, when they're merged, they're, they're kind of one person. So what's affecting Ronnie is going to bleed into Jason too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to tra- automatically translate into something like infectious that can pass to other people. Because mm. I mean, I look, look, I look at that scene in the hospital with Jason talking to his dad, and right. like they're like those two have been through enough, and this was as an emotionally charged back and forth. I would buy this as just face value what it is. This scene, you know? Okay, yeah, because I, I didn't read that series, so I don't know. You know, if that would be in character or whatever. Yeah. Um, the thing that I'm most interested in with the the Firestorm thing right now is the missing time. Because in issue two, there's a, this tremendous explosion. And then in issue three, it's fast-forwarded to the aftermath where they're all in the hospital. They... You know, Professor Sign tells them everything's fine. We don't know what's up with the atom. I mean, like anything could have happened between <laughs> between Firestorm blowing up and Ronnie waking up in that hospital. You know, for all we know, no Black Lantern Firestorm got out and started walking around killing people. I, we have no idea. Actually, come to think of it, um, we don't know if he's lying and the atom actually turned into salt. Yeah, and at first I thought, like, when I looked at um that first page of the Firestorm thing in number three, mm-hmm. I at first thought, like, okay, maybe the Black Lantern persona asserted control over Ronnie somehow. Because just because of the look he has in his eyes and how the only thing he cares about is finding Jason, because that's the only way he's going to activate his powers again. Mm-hmm. But then, like, you get a couple pages further, and, like, I really... I think it's just Ronnie. Um, I mean, like, the other thing is, you know, he's like, you know, you know, why didn't I tell them? Why didn't I tell them? Yeah. Apparently now he can, he can remember doing this thing as a Black Lantern or something. Yeah, which reinforces that the Black Lantern Firestorm persona is still in there, because, you know, when, when Firestorm is merged... Both minds have, you know, they can they can share information. 
So if you have Black Lantern Firestorm in there too, then what's in its mind can get into the mix too. Oh, wait a second. And like, and two other aspects with that is one, it actually, it could be uh, Jason, you know, um, you know, forcing his memory into Ronnie. Uh, um, but, you know, but if that's not the case, like, you know, Necron, he, his, he's been cut off from this, you know, this plane of existence. So you can't have any Black Lanterns out there, really. However, with the Firestorm Matrix, it's it's less that there's an actual Black Lantern around as there is, like, the Black Lantern is still, you know, within their mind and has that connection that way. Yeah, like, I wouldn't expect it to show up with a ring on. But... Right, yeah. I'll give it this. It's the Firestorm story... I think it looks ugly as shit, but is one of the more interesting to think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. Um, it surprised me. the The one story in this so far that I'm the most interested in is the Martian Manhunter. Really? Yeah, I really liked seeing him do the whole detective thing because that's what he's he made his profession when he came to Earth. And I think, and they did like the same thing that they did with Black Manta. Is they get, they made his his uh his villain, this kind of ultra-violent, yeah. yet credible threat for someone with his power set. Yeah, well, with that, I was wondering, I like, okay, a couple of things with that. First off, the this, Mar- this uh, Martian, um, is, it, is it a regular Martian or is it a white Martian? I assumed, based off of the uh, panel where she's pulling her skin off, that it yeah. was a white Martian. But um, when Jean gets, where's the page? When Jean gets that uh, that mental impression off of the dog, which was awesome, an awesome tactic. Yeah, it's in black and white because dogs don't see color. So, you know, who knows? Because oh yeah, I actually I just remember in issue one it shows up green in the yeah, which is that's why that's what had me wondering. Now. Okay, so, like, my issues with this storyline are, like, first off, the professor brings this this evil alien, basically, to Earth. And then he continues trying to bring another one to Earth. Yeah, I mean, like, that right there, like, you know, you can try and explain that as, you know, oh, well, you know, he messed up and he wanted to find a hero to take on what he had done. Well, you know, the, the, the thing that he was going off of was, a, was a, a tablet from an Aztec ruin, you know, which is from thousands of years ago. So, for all he knows, in a thousand years, that particular, you know, drawing that they had, they've all devolved into these, you know, murderous monsters. And he's like, you know what, no, I think I'm going to bring another one here, just to be sure. That way they can procreate. I mean, the way I took it was like, I mean, obviously this guy thought he was doing the right thing initially. I mean, that's why he did it to begin with. And it ended up unleashing this unspeakable horror upon the the earth. <laughs> so, you know, what's he, what's he going to do? He tries it again. He holds on to hope that this is the right thing to do. And he tries to bring something that can kind of counterbalance what he already let loose. And 
he'd succeeded. Well, something that I just realized that I didn't actually realize until just now. Um, if it is a female, then aside from the whole murderous intention thing, oh, a way to bring life back to Mars. Well, yeah. Oh, I thought you were gonna try and make it his wife or something, but. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's his wife, but it does. You know, I I do think maybe it's like uh, some kind of like. Um, like a murderous, um, you know, villain that they had in like a jail or something like that on Mars. He definitely recognizes it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, it could be like the the kind of thing where like you know Zod with Superman. Yeah. I mean, this story makes. I think you know, with all these stories, we can kind of guess at where it's going. I think this one makes the most almost clear cut sense. Because, I mean, like, like, Jean has devoted himself to bringing back Mars. Like, what does he keep saying in every single issue so far? He keeps saying some variation of, you know, what once lived here will live again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, up till now he's thought about that as nothing but a good thing. And now he's going to be confronted with, with an actual other living, breathing Martian... And it's going to be the most horrific thing ever. So it's going to be... <laughs> it, this is going to be his, like... His external slash internal conflict of... Is bringing life back to Mars really a good thing to do? Because <laughs> if I if I do that... It could... Don't know, it most likely will eventually yield more beings like this. So is that worth it in the long run? Right. No, that's a good point. Yeah, I like... I like the Martian Manhunter, and I'm intrigued to see where it goes. But I guess the the aspect of the story that the scientist broke, and not for nothing, but the scientist built a teleportation machine to try and rip some living creature off of Mars based off of a stone tablet he found as a child in an Aztec temple. Yeah. I mean, like, that sounds retarded. I, I mean, you know... <laughs> that's, that's like, the, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard! It's, that's preposterous! I, it's just, it's, it's so, it's so ridiculous. And, you know, it, it's, it's very much from the era that, that Martian Manhunter was created in. But, I mean, like, really, like, you couldn't update that a little, so it, it made some, you know, minuscule amount of sense. That is ridiculous. It's completely insane. His his, his origin. Yeah. You know? Something something I did like though is that they wove in these new elements to his origin story without having to really change his origin story at all. Because none of this stuff like th- there's nothing new added here that Jean could have known before this point. Yeah. So it's like it's it's as far as I'm like it's is it a retcon? Absolutely, but I think it's a pretty clean one. Well, did he did he kill the the uh, the scientist die, like in the in the thing that brought Martian Manhunter to Earth? Yeah, I can't remember if it like I mean I'm assuming it was by way of an explosion, but I've seen a couple different versions of Martian Manhunter's origin, and it's it's always played out with either the scientist dies because of something with the equipment 
or the scientist dies because he sees Jean in his alien form and has a heart attack, and or, okay, okay. The, the scientist definitely dies. Okay. Um. Yeah. Because so between like the the way the the whole circumstances behind that Martian Manhunter's actual origin, um, and the evil you know Martian realizing oh Martian Manhunter's alive and does the same exact thing that Black Manta does. Yeah. And slaughters, you know, the entire family. With? With, uh, like, let's see, there was a knife, drumsticks, and uh, a guitar. Yeah, no, we have to be specific here. Uh, this was, is, uh... is, a, is an electric carving knife, because it has a sound effect when she cuts the guy's throat. Yeah, right. It's, it's the drumsticks to an actual, like, a drum set. She, how awesome would it be if she stabbed him through a chest with chicken? That would be so hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> and the guitar... It's basically a guitar hero hero controller. She beats somebody to death with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like, uh, oh, and, like, the fun part was that the chicken was ready, and she took it out of the oven with her bare hands. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, like, you could see, like, her hands, like, all red and sizzling. Um, she just kept cutting tomatoes, too. It's like... <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, I guess she wanted the dinner to be ready, and then she was going to do it. But And then after she killed them, she tore their skin off of their bodies. Yeah. Um, I'm just glad she left the dog. Yeah. I, I mean, like, it's, again, that's like, it's so over the top that it doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any guesses as to why she waited this long? Because if she's been on Earth living undercover... For all these years, why why the return of Martian Manhunter? Yeah, like, why didn't she do it when Martian Manhunter was alive the first time? Um, yeah, that doesn't make sense. And also, here you have a mother who has two kids. Well, they, they could be adopted, or she could have married a single father. She could have taken over that body. Like, at some point after she had the kids, at which point, then you have to wonder, what was she doing, you know, before she got into that body? And there's a lot of unanswered questions on that one. Yeah, and to be fair, it's we're not supposed to know yet, so it's not like it's a fault for the story. I mean, hell, maybe she's, maybe she, like, uh, because <laughs> she's a Martian, she doesn't age the same way we do, so every now and then she could, like, pick a new family, like, kill a member of that family and take the place of them because martians are shapeshifters oh yeah so if she's a shapeshifter why did she have to it, it almost seemed like she was wearing that woman as a bodysuit hmm just looks cool <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh, what else we got i still don't care about hawks oh wait wait before that what do you say we discuss uh the scenes all about uh hawk and dove you mean the ones that aren't here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I so I guess we're done with that. Now let's talk about um <laughs> let's talk about Reverse Flash. And now let's talk about Captain Boomerang. You know what? I said this when we talked about number 0. I'm like, you know what? The Jade stuff is going to happen in that JLA JSA crossover. The Reverse Flash and Captain Boomerang stuff is going to be in the Flash book and the who are the hell else? Hawk and Dove stuff. They're in Birds of Prey, so it's probably going to be over there. Um, we can also talk about Jade and uh, Max 
they're, they're basically like they're focusing on like half of all the people. Well, right now we don't know what, what's gonna happen. And come on, Max. Max is like the focal point of the other bi-weekly year-long series. You know, <laughs> do you do you really want two weekly books about Maxwell Lord? <laughs> I don't actually want any books about Maxwell Lord. I wish they hadn't brought him back. Uh, there was the uh, well, there was the scene about uh, Silver City where they tried to lift the White Lantern again. Yeah, and you know, maybe this is just me, but the three p- consecutive panels where Hal tries to pick up the white battery, mm-hmm. I feel like in terms of his pose, it should have been the first panel, then the third panel, then the second panel. Because, like, in the first panel, you have him on the ground getting ready to try and lift. In the third panel, he's in he's in a more relaxed position, so it looks like he's getting up, he's, like, starting to pull. And in the th- the second panel it looks like he's exerting the most force. So, like, that second panel pose should be in the third panel with the the extreme violent energy reaction, you know? Or, what they're saying is, in the first one, you know, he's he's getting ready to pick it up. In the second panel, he's trying with all his might to pick it up. And by the third panel, like, he realizes that he can't do it. And that's why, you know, and that's the when the, the battery kind of reacts. Like, you know, you see, you can't do this. Well, it's not just the battery reacting. I'm looking at, I'm looking at his own energy. Well, yeah, but, I mean, like, the battery does that to basically anybody that goes to pick it up. It basically, like, it blows your energy off of you kind of thing. Well, yeah, I, I mean, when we read the Green Lantern issue, whatever number it was, where this scene played out longer... Mm-hmm. When we saw, you know, you know, when Carol tried to pick up the battery, there was, like, violet energy, like, exploding off of her and crystals poking out through the ground. I took that to be a sign that Carol is exerting herself a lot trying to lift this thing. I didn't take that as a reaction to the battery. Oh, I kind of took it as a reaction that, like, you know, the the white battery contains, you know, all all colors within it. So, you know, it's almost like the white battery amplifies your power like that. That's not what it does. <laughs> well, you don't know that. Yes, we do. The white, yeah, no, because, like, if the white, the white power is the white entity. Uh-huh. And the white entity is basically made up of all the other colors, you know? Uh-huh. White is, you know, all colors combined. So, if the white entity so chooses, like, as far as I'm concerned, like, if the white white battery, like, was up and running, um, you know, like, say, you know, Dead Man's got the white ring on, so, you know, most likely he'll end up being the King Arthur to pull the sword from the stone. The way I see it, if, uh... If Dead Man was holding the battery and he wanted to let, um, you know, Green Lantern charge up, I think the Green Lantern would be able to charge up from that battery. I, I think that anybody would be able, any anybody that wields a ring, would be able to bum a charge off of the White Lantern because 
white white is all colors. You know, I yeah, think that's... white should be able to charge up anything. I, I, I don't know. I can't say it won't happen, but I think... I'm, and this is this is going back to the Green Lantern issue again. I think what we got in that issue showed us that it can't be just one color. What happened when Hal tried to pick it up by himself? Nothing. Like, basically nothing. What happened when Carol tried by herself? Basically nothing. What happened when Hal, Kyle, and... Uh, Kyle? Carol. No, Carol. <laughs> what happened with... I keep doing that. What happened when... Hal, Carol, and Sinestro all grabbed it at the same time. Now all of a sudden it's reacting to them, it's giving them funky visions, it's talking to them, it's teleporting, it's teleporting them all over the place. Because, like like you said, the white light, the the power of life, is the su- it's the sum total of all emotions. And here's a chunk of the emotional spectrum coming together to come into contact with the battery. It was responding to all of them together. It wasn't responding to just, oh, hey, here's somebody with a lot of willpower. Um, I don't know. I almost think that it would have a reaction to any any color because it's like, you know, it, almost like like a mother being reunited with her child, you know, because, you know, the white the white light is what gave birth to the other emotions, you know, the other colors, rather. Um, I I don't know. That's just how I see it. I I kind of see it as, you know, like the white is causing you know like a reaction with the with the the colors. So you know when there's three of them together, you know it's like it's that much more wilder of a reaction, you know, because it's it's more of a reunion of the colors. I don't know. I mean, I I see this as like I I basically this battery is going to be the thing that kind of forces the uh the uh new guardians if we're calling them that now to work together yeah because not just because i mean obvious reasons but also because ultimately you're going to need at least one from each to really just interact with this entity this power this battery on any kind of full level and unless you're dead man and have the only white ring in the damn universe. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of dead man, yes. this was the all this was the all uh other this is the other high point to this three issues so far for me. I see you agree. <laughs> I well I was I was waiting for you to basically like announce it, but no, you're talking about his battle with uh, the anti monitor. Yes, if you could seriously. call it that. I mean, seriously, that that. All right, after like a kind of a humdrum two issues, it tur- you turn the page and it's just it's ordering him to fight the anti monitor. Like like to- like total Mortal Kombat style. Yeah, and it gives his stats as anti monitor universe destroyer. And it's like <laughs> he's just said you gotta be joking. And even the next issue things as like next dead man versus the anti-monitor that's like tell me that's not like the greatest cliffhanger you've seen in a good long time (laughs) it's just so absurd it's it's amazing i love it (laughs) i'm glad that we saw the anti-monitor so soon yeah you know like it it does kind of reinforce that hey he is out here he's very much alive and he decided to head back to quard 
in the antimatter universe. Well, Necron did that. Did he? Yeah, he sent them in Blackest Night Eight when the antimatter like came back to life and started shooting Necron. Necron said like, like back to your universe you go or something, and they blasted him away. I gotta check that now. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so the battle is. Deadman shoots out like white like ring creations of all of the people that were resurrected. Not even Deadman. The ring did that. Right. He he just point and point and clicked, basically. Um and then you know then he realized, oh, okay, so basically that's the only thing it's going to do. And then he proceeded to like fall back and get caught on a safety net. So now basically he has to fight to live. Yeah, no, that was, like, that last page of this, of that, uh, encounter, I think, made this scene. Just because, like, like, it gives you a real, because, I mean, you see Dead Man, you see a cliffhanger where Boston Brand has to fight the Anti-Monitor by himself. And you're thinking, what the hell is, why? And this gives, like, like, a really good reason for it. You know, he's the guy that when he was alive the first time, he did stunts without a net and ended up dying. When he was, you know, when he was dead, he got used to it. He liked being dead. And now that he's alive again, he does, he only knows how to operate while he's dead. So the ring, it, you know, it's, it's the whole fight or flight thing. The ring is teaching him self-preservation. He even says right here, um... What the hell did you bring me here for? I'm not used to trying to stay alive. Or is that the point? Yeah, yeah. And, I I mean, I guess that makes sense because, like, he's kind of been, like, flittering around and nobody can see him, just like when he was dead. Yeah, so maybe that's not so much the ring. Maybe that's him. Or maybe it is the ring that's protecting him until he can get a survival instinct going. True. Um. So, I mean, you said that you don't care about it, but there was definitely the point of uh, Hawkman and Hawkgirl. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, do you like that that subplot so far? I mean, like, right now, it's, like, it, it's kind of weird. I, between all of them, like, it's, it's, it's really odd, because I like the series, I'm enjoying it, like, I'm very, I'm intrigued enough that I have to have it, like, every, you know, Every time it comes out. So they definitely have me hooked in that, you know, in that sense. But, I mean, by the same token, you get so little of each story in each issue. It's like, you know, it's like little little nibbles. And it's so, like, not satisfying because of the fact that you just you're, you keep on getting left wanting for more and... At this point, we haven't found out basically anything. It's all just, you know, still setting up all the questions that they'll, you know, figure out in, like, the second half of this this whole story. Yeah. And, I mean, right now, like, we have to remember, it's it's been, like, six weeks or something, but it's still only three issues. So th- we're still at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if if uh, the bi-weekly shipping ends up hurting this in the long run. Because, I mean, it's going to have... 
Like, it, it might not have as slow a build as it feels like, just because we're getting it at at half the speed that we normally get a weekly series. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that that's true. Um, but, I mean, as far as Hawkman and Hawkgirl go, yeah, I don't know. It's it's okay. Yeah, with, were there any other... Those are all the plots. Those yeah. are all the subplots in this, right? Yeah, Hawkman, Hawkgirl's the last one to talk about. I mean, <clears throat> I thought it was a cool idea, the whole, like, taking their all like every single one of their corpses ever throughout the ages to build this gateway out of and hell maybe maybe they're gonna build in like a new like retcon in a new motivation hath set had for ultimately killing them over and over and over again like maybe he was always building to whatever he's doing right now yeah but i don't know that could be interesting but you know yeah i like it on the one hand, it's interesting because, you know, he couldn't get the first set of uh, of bones because they were always being used by the Star Sapphires. Yeah. Um, you know, so that that that's an interesting, you know, little idea there. And I do like the fact that when they finally create this this gateway, it's like you know you see the energy coming off of it. Yeah, that's violet. Yeah, it's all violet energy. Um, I mean, like, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's kind of difficult to to think that this is anything other than a gateway to Hawk World when right on the bottom it says next Hawk World. Yeah, like, is that supposed to mean Thanagar or? Um, no. No, you know what? I don't think it is. You know, like, I didn't even think about it too much. But, like, realistically, no. I think it's it's Hawkworld. It's that, like, it's that other, you know, like, weird place that isn't that, uh, Thanagar. Oh, like, uh, isn't that, like, that, uh, post-zero-hour reboot of Hawkman or something? I, I don't, I don't know if it's, hmm, I don't know which re- reboot that came from. Uh, I'm sure we'll find out in a week. <laughs> or tomorrow. Or several. Or you, or you already know. Got well, you. I got the issue. <laughs> yeah, I got the issue. I flipped through it, but I don't really remember what happened. Okay. Well, uh, I know they come out on, you know, Hawkworld, <laughs> wherever <laughs> it is. All right. Well, I mean, you knew they were going to Hawkworld. Next step, Hawkworld. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't actually, like, get anything, you know. As far as I can tell, I don't know. that's not really a spoiler, because it says that it's going to happen in the next issue, and I just basically said it's going to happen in the next issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> now, I mean, if I was going to tell you that Professor Zoom actually ended up killing Wally's kid. Which kid? You know, the, the son? Yeah, the son without powers. He's not killing him. Jay's going to join him. Come on. Probably. It's totally tele- no, it's totally telegraphed. Yeah, yeah. yeah that fits. Eight. Hey. We let's this this applies. So uh, let's play the the voicemail marked brightest date. Okay. Hey guys, this is Chad. Just calling in to talk about brightest day number two. Uh, I don't have much to say, but I will say the uh, I'm becoming rapidly bored with the Aquaman storyline. I know I should be stoned to death, but uh, 
I really am starting to care less about this. And uh, Hawk and Hawkman and Hawk Girl, or Hawk Woman, whatever you want to say, I could care less about that one. I'm maybe becoming more interested in the Firestorm story than I was before, and less excited about the Martian Manhunter story than I was in the beginning. I was really excited about the whole uh, restoration of Mars type thing, and all of a sudden he gets sidetracked with this who's this girl thing. Uh, it's, it's a mystery. I want to see what happens, but you know, at the same time, I'm honestly only picking up Brightest Day now because of Dead Man. I had, to, I had to say it. I've been con- contemplating dropping the series altogether because uh, it's it's rapidly losing interest to me. And uh, the only reason I'm still picking it up is because of Dead Man. I was into him before, and I'm still into him. Uh, so it's nice to see him taking center stage. But uh, mostly I just I do not care about Brightest Day other than how it relates to GL. Uh, I might drop all the other tie-ins as well, uh, except for Green Lantern Corps and Green Lantern. But um, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to have the same uh, steam as uh, Blackest Night did. I, I, I don't know. I'm just less interested now. I don't know why. And the uh, the very last page with uh, with uh, the Anti-Monitor and Dead Men, after I read it the second time, I, <laughs> I have two comments. One, as if the uh, fact that Dead Man up against the Anti-Monitor, just as far as the visual, size-wise, wasn't enough. They had to do the uh, whole Anti-Monitor label and what his powers are. Anti-Monitor. Universe Destroyer. <laughs> they, just had to, they had to throw that in there to just make it seem absolutely hopeless. And my second point being, when I read it the second time, I swear to God, in the back of my mind, I heard Mortal Kombat go round one fight so i don't i don't know that was probably a terrible impersonation and you'll probably laugh at me that's okay because that's what i'm here for uh other than that yet again thanks for another great show and uh have a good one peace all right first of all props for making a rapidly joke about aquaman oh uh... yeah i get yeah rapids and water and uh, yeah. <laughs> Alright, this... Now, this is something I thought was particularly important to touch on, just because I, th- I think Brightest Day is going to kind of defy people's expectations, in a way, who are coming off of Blackest Night. Brightest Day is... It's, it's not an event. Alright, it's... I, it, it's it's structure is basically the exact opposite of Blackest Night. There's like this shouldn't be looked at as as here's the here's the miniseries that all of these tie-ins are going to work with and tie into where you're going to be able to put it put like everything in chronological order and see this continues into this and this is where this goes. Brightest Day is a theme for the DC universe. What we're seeing in here it won't necessarily be reflected in other books. What we're seeing in other books, you know, those those Brightest Day banner books, take it as though the banners aren't really there right now. You know, I'm reading Flash because I honestly want to read Flash. I was going to read it before they announced it was going to be a Brightest Day book. Yeah, like, I guess to go to go on that, right now we're at issue three, you know? 
Well, I'll be at issue four after I read the issue that I got today. But we're, we're like, at the very, very beginning of a 26-issue series. 26 issues. You know, like, like that's how, how long it has to last. So, I mean, even though I say, okay, well, it's like they're only giving me, like, you know, tiny little bits here and there, and there's no answers yet whatsoever, but I'm still intrigued. You know, it's like, I don't really expect them to give me answers right away. If they gave you answers right away, then, you know, like, how the hell would they have, the, you know, make the series last until 26 issues? You know, you, it, aside from, like, a random fight here, you know, like, if they gave you all the answers, then, then it was just, like, them fighting, you know, random people throughout the, you know, the rest. Like, the second half of this would be horrendous. Nobody would read that. Except for us. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. That is true. So, you know, like, brightest day, I'm I'm definitely of the mind, you know, stick with it. And, you know, at least let it play out for, like, it, this is going to sound retarded. This is going to sound, like, totally stupid because I'm going to say, stick with this for, like, the first ten issues. And I think then you'll start seeing, you know, some some answers, you know, you'll definitely see answers by, you know, issue 10. Um, but that is a long commitment, I know. On that, I have a quote from Jeff Johns. Um, a few weeks ago, Newsarama did, like, this uh, very brief question and answer with him. And the topic of Bryce Day came up, and it's it's not spoilery. It's really not spoilery. Um, he says, as uh, a Jeff Johns quote, I'm actually the most excited for Deadman to charge his ring. All will become very clear in issue number seven as the story behind the resurrected characters is revealed. So if you got if you can hang in to issue seven <laughs> by then, because because remember we still don't entirely know what the hell the story of Brightest Day is. Like what is the overarching story of this? And like from from uh, from the way Johns talks about it, we should have a, a pretty damn good idea by the time we finish reading issue seven. So, if you get to seven and you roll your eyes and say, "Oh, this is crap," then I would say that's a good jumping off point. But if you can hang in for the rest of the slow build to seven, then that might make all the difference. You know, it just occurred to me. Um... This may this may be completely out there, but from you, no. <laughs> now, the the characters that were brought back to life, um, that and they were brought back to life by the life entity that you know thrives on life. You know, the more that's living, the more powerful that entity would be. The, you know, theoretically. So, I mean, if you like, look at you know the characters in Brightest Day. It, it, there's almost kind of like a like a, a theme as far as each of them having their own place. Like, you know, you have Martian Manhunter, who wants to bring back Mars. He wants to bring life back to Mars. Now, you know, Mars was, um, you know, a really big thriving civilization. So. For, for Mars to come back to life would mean, you know, that would be a tremendous uh, accomplishment for life in general. And then you have, you know, like uh, the Hawks, 
where, you know, they came back to life, and now all of a sudden there's a, a, a gateway to Hawkworld. So, I mean, like, that's a that's a whole other realm that, I guess, hasn't even been, you know, able to have been accessed or whatever like that. So that's a whole other realm. And then you have Aquaman, you know, like, with, with Mera's dimension that's been cut off, maybe there's a tie there. Um, and then with, uh, with Firestorm, you know, like, maybe being able to transmute organic matter or whatever like that, maybe, I don't even know. That one I don't even know. Uh, I think, and this is a thought I had, like, like as I was falling asleep last night, and I didn't write it down because I'm like, ah, I'll remember. But <laughs> it was it was some version of this. It kind of struck me after I read all these back to back that everybody, well, I won't say everybody, but a, most of these characters are in a position where they basically have to learn how to be alive in some manner or another and that not literally in most cases like like with dead man it's kind of a literal in a literal sense because you know if 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 he continues on how he was existing both in his first time around alive and as a ghost then that's just too reckless and he's going to squander the life he has and he's supposed to be I mean, he's basically, I'm, I'm assuming, he's supposed to be, like, the unifying, rallying force for these 12 characters. So anything he's learning about himself has got to come into play to help them. And then you look at, you look at Aquaman, who, you know, he's back, but look how hesitant he was to even so much as get in the water again. Mm-hmm. Look how, how feverishly he opposes letting the the Atlanteans back into his life again. You know, even with Mira, with their relationship, no matter what she said in this issue, she gave that little look afterwards where, like, like she's still not entirely sure about this whole deal, and she's herself is cut off from her home just like him. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Martian Manhunter, who... Like, like again, like I said, he's going to be dealing with weighing the pros and cons of embracing life on Mars again versus letting it remain dead. Um, and also on that that same same note, um, Hawkman and Hawkgirl, yeah, they've never been able to, you know, like fully live because as soon as they find each other, like they're they're basically cursed to die. And this is the first time where they they aren't. Yeah, and go back to what <clears throat> to what uh, Jeff Johns said about Brightest Day back before it started, and I, I, it, he said it was like Brightest Day is about second chances. Like the title to issue one is second chances. Mm-hmm. So like this is the chance that like this is all of these characters' second chance to not just come back to the realm of the living, but to really live. To really get the most out of life, and just, I don't, I don't know, like, like to figure out what this actually means to them, and if they don't, then you've got, you know, the like the Black Lantern stuff that keeps popping up, like physically on them or around them. That's like that's a very, very like literal interpretation of the alternative. So it's like they they can either. They can either go to the light side or the dark side. They can either figure out how to 
really embrace the second chance they got or they can lose it again. That's just what I got when I was falling asleep, so who knows. <laughs> uh, but yeah, don't, do not, do not let your buying habits be influenced by Brightest Day banners. You know, pick, you know, pick up the titles that you would have picked up anyway. You know, I would have read Flash regardless, so I'm reading Flash. Jim's, like, I, are you, are you reading Birds of Prey? Because you were, you seemed interested in that. Um... Yeah, I actually I'm I'm picking up everything right now. Um uh, Yeah, well, for now, I said. Like like you, I would definitely be picking up Flash anyway. Uh Birds of Prey, I was I was pretty much leaning towards checking that out anyway because it's got the Ed Benes artwork and it has, you know, Hawk and Dove and I was curious. Um So, you know, like that that one I'll I'll keep checking out. Is that your puppy? Yes. Oh, we're keeping it. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's having a dream right now. <laughs> Aw. Someone's discovered the secret of Bride's Day. It's Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so cute. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, she's curled up next to me as I record. Oh. <laughs> she just woke up. Oh. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, I, I agree, like, you, at this stage, like, the way that it's looking like now, like, you really have to pick your books carefully, because that, that Brightest Day banner is, like, I, I, I was definitely expecting more to do with, you know, the Brightest Day story, and, I don't know, I guess, like, those concepts in general, uh, and it, it's turning out, it's like, it's the story of, like, okay, well, these people are alive, and now here's what they're doing, and, you know, it's not really going to address too much, you know, other, um, you know, aspects as far as, like, why they came back or anything like that whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I guess, when you guys right down to it, it's, it's not lying to us, because, I mean, it's, it is, like, like, Bryce Day Flash is about what the Flash does with his second chance at life. So I mean, that that's that's accurate. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. At the, it's not, but it's not like like if you want to understand the overall story of Brightest Day, you need to read Flash. I mean, you should because it's an awesome book. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, I think I think uh, Green Arrow might have a little bit more of a connection in the long run because like he's the way cool forest. Well, yeah, and... <laughs> he lives in the forest, and uh, what was it? Uh, issue two or three the cover is you know green arrow lying on the ground with an arrow like in his head with like blood pooled up in the white lantern symbol yeah so and then also johns has said that star city is going to be like you know one of the next big things in the dc universe yeah and the cover for issue four just came out and it's um like martian manhunter comes to the forest for some reason yeah so so well, they did say anything could be in that forest. Who knows? Maybe even a pissed off Martian. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and then it was awesome that Chad also noticed the Mortal Kombat reference there. Oh god, yeah, yeah. that was great. That was gonna be an expensive two-page spread. <laughs> Any original art collectors out there? Oh god, God help you. <laughs> um, we have one more voicemail. Let's go. To, let's do that. Okay. 
Hey, Jim and Dan, this is John Godwin or GL Kinte on the forums. Um, I just finished listening to episode 52, and I know I'm a bit late listening to it, um, but um, I had an idea about uh, Dead Man and the White Ring. I haven't read Brightest Day number zero yet, so um, I might be completely off base on this if they come up with, you know, told like, what he's going to be able to do with his ring or anything like that. But um, with the idea of him being able to deputize somebody for 24 hours, it actually reminded me a lot of the Tangent Green Lantern from, you know, the Tangent series from Alternate Earth. Her powers was with her Green Lantern, and you know, she was always kind of in cemetery and such, and she could resurrect somebody to complete one final task. And you know they could they could they were they took physical form or whatever form they needed to to complete their task, but she was able to bring somebody back to life for that time. And you know I was just so I was wondering if you know, maybe she would be able to do that or maybe uh, maybe Jeff Johns got the idea from her. I know Dan uh, Dio does not like he doesn't like alternate universes. He doesn't like tangents. He doesn't like any of this stuff. So you know maybe even if Jeff Johns did get the idea from there, he couldn't admit it or any number of other reasons. But uh, I'm just wondering what you guys think. Um, okay, later. That's an awesome point. You know, I did not even think think about that, that the White Ring could deputize, you know, other White Rings for a 24-hour period. Yeah. Now, I never... Actually, I never read the Tangent stuff, so I didn't know that was their Green Lantern's deal. But... I don't know, that's an interesting... Because, like, we're still... I, I I both love and hate how they're being so coy with what Dead Man can actually do. Because, like, like we're, expect, we're expecting... To, uh, not even expecting, like... Like, we've seen Dead Man pick up a dead bird and bring it back to life. That happened in issue zero, I think. Right. So, we've been wondering ever since then, like, well, is the natural progression of that that he can bring back a dead human i mean I, why not you would think so but then like for how long it would be permanent does it take anything special to happen it, when we and then when we see things in like issue three where the ring actually starts to do stuff and talk to him which you know, it talks like a person too it's it's kind of yeah it's weird yeah. <laughs> It's like, it answers questions with, like, no and thank you or whatever. I think it says okay at one point. <laughs> Get me a cheeseburger. No, nah, that's the orange one. <laughs> Two cheeseburgers. <laughs> um, yeah, and we actually don't know, like, he brought that bird back to life. We don't know if, like, in 24 hours did that bird die again. Yeah, and, like, did it matter that the bird was... Like, it was still, like, a, it was, like, basically a hatchling leaving the nest for the first time, you know? Mm. It, does the fact that it's new life matter? Or is it, like, the fact that it just died a second ago matter, you know? There's so many, there's so much possibility with it, like... If if this is the route that they go, I mean, like, that might be pretty interesting. A series where Dead Man just, you know, brings back people, you know, for a day, and then they have to take care of what they have to take care of. And it could be like it could be no, you know normal everyday regular people, or it could be you know like superheroes and super. I guess you could do supervillains too if they want to redeem themselves for a day. It and it's almost reminiscent of what Dead Man used to do when he was dead, because I mean he would basically like like every Dead Man adventure. I mean I haven't read 
a tremendous amount of Dead Man, but from what I understand, every Dead Man adventure was essentially him, you know, kind of like wandering into different people's lives and like seeing what's going on and like <clears throat> like jumping in somebody's body to kind of help them through a situation and then moving on. It's like it, it basically kind of like quantum leap without the time travel. Yeah. You know, that that could be kind of the same thing except without like body possession. Yeah. So okay, are we uh are we done talking about this? I think so. We got a lot more out of Brad's Day 1 to 3 than I thought we would. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah, um what you call it? I you know, I was I was going through the three issues and you know, I'm like, okay, let me take some notes. And I'm writing notes down, I'm jotting down notes for like, you know, the first issue. And then I'm like going through the second issue and it's just like Oh god, I'm like I, I don't even I don't even care enough to write any more notes down. It's like whatever. I'm like I'll just talk off the top of my head and see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, well, like, you really don't need to. I mean, like, I read through these. Like I said, I, I actually, like, I wrote down my synopsis at the beginning this time just to be sure I didn't forget anybody. Yeah. But, like, I didn't have to, like, like go through and, like, okay, and this is the part where, like, I read these three issues back to back, and then I sat down and I wrote, okay, here's what Aquaman did. Okay, here's what March Manhunter did. Okay, here's what Hawkman. Like, it was, it was very, like... I mean, I mean, really, like, just in terms of sheer page number, you could have put all of the Aquaman Mirror stuff from the first three issues together, like, at in order, page by page, and you could have, and like, you could have divided them all up that way, and you would have had, like, like, two or three of, like, at least two or three of them in one issue. So, like, it's not like it's a lot of content. Um, you do want to do the Larflees report? Yeah, why not? Hey Lantern Cast family, this is Chad Bokelman, and welcome to the second installment of the Larflees Report. This time I gotta jump right in because there's a lot to cover in the June 2010 issue of previews. Starting with Brightest Day number 7 and number 8. These are the issues, people. Johns has said on record that the answers begin here. Does it start with Dead Man's Sword in the Stone moment on the cover? Only one way to find out. Green Lantern number 57 featuring the cover we all know and love, Jabba the Hutt with a chained up Princess Leia. Oh, wait, that's the Predator and Carol Ferris. Whoops. Well, now you have to pick it up and see what's really going on. Green Lantern Corps number 51. Is that Hanu attacking Kyle? What in the name of Oa is going on? Pick it up and see. Green Lantern Emerald Warriors number 1. Tomasi's back. Oh yeah, so's Guy Kilwag and... Aresia? Weird. Other Brightest Day titles to look forward to. JSA number 42 and JLA number 48. Don't forget, these two titles cross over. It looks like Alan Scott's gone crazy. Or has he? Green Arrow number 3. Justice League Generation Lost number 7 and 8. Birds of Prey number 4. The Flash number 5. And Titans number 26. Other stuff going on in the DC Universe. Time Masters, Vanishing Point number two. Join Rip, Booster, Superman, and Green Lantern in the search for Batman. This looks intriguing. Superman, Earth One. This isn't an issue, people. This is a trade by Straczynski about Superman. Jeff Johns is on Batman Earth One. Straczynski's on Superman Earth One. These are both worth picking up. 
By the way, 2011 is the year we all go broke, ladies and gentlemen. Heroes of the DC Universe, Blackest Night, busts. First up, Hal Jordan based on the art of Ivan Reese. Yvonne Hayes, uh, who cares anymore? This looks like a paint job that might be messed up, but reserve judgment until January 26, folks. Remember, this is the way the paint job on the first wave of Blackest Night figures looked when we first saw them solicited in previews. It looked muggy, it looked cloudy, we weren't sure we were going to like it, but then the figures hit and they were shiny, sharp, and cool. This, These busts might be the same way. But if you don't like how, there's more on the way. Black Hand, Star Sapphire, Atrocitus, Saint Walker, Necron, Indigo One, and in the best three solicited so far, Black Lantern Batman, White Lantern Sinestro, and, wait for it, Larflees. What else? Blackest Night Portfolio Set Number One. This contains 12 prints painted by Rudolfo Migalari... Mig... Mig... Oh, who cares? It's Rudolfo somebody. Each are about 8x10 and cash in at $29.99 for the set. Remember those painted looking covers scattered around the different titles of Blackest Night? That's what these are. Buy it. What else? Graffiti Designs is putting out three new GL shirts. First up is a white tee with a shiny white lantern symbol and the word life across the front. The second is the classic Green Lantern Green Arrow number 85 covered by Neil Adams. This is the cover introducing the storyline where Speedy does drugs. Comic history can now be worn on the chest. And last is Green Lantern Green Arrow number 76. This is another Neil Adams classic cover showing Green Arrow shooting Green Lantern's battery with an arrow mid-oath. You know what I'm talking about. 7-inch Justice League plushies. These are $13.99 a piece with big sad bug eyes and oh so huggable. Okay, so I won't be hugging them, but I'm sure Meg and Harley Q Bunny will be. First line features Superman, Batman, Flash, and GL. We also got another Blackest Night Magnet set featuring the symbols and the O's for each court. These are black magnets with a symbol in the background, the O's on the bottom, and a ghetto fist pump in the air for each of the individual representatives of the various cores. Larflees is on there as well, and apparently his oath is mine. Damn, we got gypped. I thought it was going to be something better than that. My indie pick this time around, Magnus Robot Fighter number 1 from Dark Horse. My first introduction to comics was a Magnus robot fighter and Nexus crossover storyline. It was two issues. That was my first introduction to comics. I'm picking this up. It's only four issues. I think you should pick it up too. Art looks great. Story looks plausible. Marvel pick. This time around is X-Men Curse of the Mutant Storm and Gambit number one. This is a one shot. But why is this awesome? Because A, Gambit is awesomeness squared. And B, they're fighting vampires. Woot woot. And last but not least, an honorable mention, hey Grice family, remember 1989? Jason, I'm sure you do. Christian, ask your dad about it. 1989, when the Batman movie came out, well the Batmobile and the Batwing are now collectible props. Oh yeah, and they have working LEDs too. And if you're into that, be sure to pick up the Batbike prop from the more recent Dark Knight movie. Yeah, all three of those props. Pick those up. I'm Chad Bokelman. This is the Larflees Report, and yet again, back to you guys. I kind of thought that last thing was going to be a joke about Jason's Facebook picture. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> I love the woot woot. <laughs> I know, he is, <laughs> I've never seen someone that excited about Gambit fighting vampires before. <laughs> yeah. Although, really, how often does it come up? <laughs> oh, man. 
Um, that I think it's interesting that, like, uh, we were talking about Brightest Day number seven and eight, how Jeff John said that that's where we're going to see answers. Yeah. That's the second time that we've played something where we've previously already mentioned it in the episode. Yeah. Well, this time around, like, like he had, um, Chad had, uh, uh, messaged me on Skype because he was, he was contemplating dropping Brightest Day altogether. And he asked me, like, like, should I keep going with it? And I told him about the quote. I'm like, look, at least give it to number seven. Uh, then make your choice. So I know he was going to talk about it in the Larflees report, but, you know, whatever. Nice. I'm definitely looking forward to Time Masters. Yeah, I was going to say, are you going to, because you're big into to, uh, Dan Jurgens. You like his Booster Gold stuff. You love, you know, Rip Hunter and the Linear Men and all that. Yeah. I, and it's got Green Lantern in it. I, I mean... It's like it's like a grand slam for me. I mean, <laughs> it's yeah, like you said, Dan Jurgens, Linear Men, and Green Lantern. I there's no way that I couldn't you know buy this, but yeah, um, it, like really, listen, I don't want to hate on Keith Giffen, okay, <laughs> but like his Booster Gold is not my Booster Gold, you know. Like, like yeah, my fair. booster gold is like the one that started out by Jeff Johns, and I don't know. I guess somebody else picked it up in the middle there, whatever. And then Dan Jorgens picked it up. I don't remember if Dan Jorgens took it directly from Jeff Johns. No, I think he did. So, well, whatever. Regardless, I mean, that's what I really liked. I love the, you know, the the chalkboard. You know, the, uh, you know, you had, like, the little references and things that might be coming down the pike, you know, on the, the Rip Hunter's chalkboard. And that was such a cool feature, and now, like, the first issue, I think, of Booster Gold, it was just, like, gibberish on the, uh, on the blackboard. You know, the, this issue, the next issue that came out, I think, like, there was a little girl that drew, like, a pony on the, the blackboard. It's, like... He's, he's making a mockery of it. It's like you had these really cool ideas, and now it's like they're just taking Booster Gold and turning him into a joke. Well, I'll let you. Cause I have the I have the first issue of uh, Giffen's Return to it. I didn't read it yet. Yeah. And I think I'm getting the second issue of it on Friday, yeah. maybe. So I'll read. I'm gonna read those back to back, and I'll let you know. But I don't know. I'm still uh, gonna give it a fair shot because I don't know yet. Yeah, well, and I and I think I'm I'm more receptive to that era exactly, Justice yes. League style stories than you yeah, are too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I I know that there's a lot of fans of that style. It's just that you know, it, to me, it's it's disappointing when, you know, I, I enjoyed the series quite a bit, you know, for a while. You know, there were a few areas here and there where it, it wasn't as good as it you know, could be, but, you know, overall, it was still very enjoyable, and now it's just, like, it's losing me. So I'll give it another couple of issues, but I think, I, you know, I may have to bail on this one. Yeah, I mean, as I, and I'm kind of in the same boat, like, like I'm getting Booster Gold, I'm, I pretty much started pre-ordering Booster Gold and Green Arrow, because I believe that, you know what, the with these characters, these creators, and these concepts behind them, mm-hmm. I could easily see myself p- potentially liking this. Mm-hmm. But if 
you know, if they don't really hold up, then I'm not going to keep going and hope that they eventually get better. Yeah. I'm just going to stop getting them. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's regardless of where, of uh, how Green Arrow might tie in, tie into Brad's day. You know, if I'm not enjoying the Green Green Arrow comic, I'm not going to buy the Green Arrow comic. That aside from that, like just to touch on the the blackboard a little mm-hmm. bit, I remember like like the first time we saw the blackboard thing pop up was during Fifty Two, right. I think, and. So, like, through that and throughout John's run on Booster Gold, there were some, like... Like, what to me, what made the Blackboard really interesting and really fun to look at and pick apart was that not only did it have to do with the Booster Gold series, it was talking about stuff that would come into play across the DC universe, whether it ever got mentioned again in Booster Gold or not. And I remember when... Like, when John's left... Like, Jurgen still did some of that, but it wasn't as much, and it wasn't as, I'll say, tantalizing, because, yeah, and this is not a reflection on Jurgens as a writer, he's just not as tied into the overall DC universe as Jeff Johns is, or has to be. Yeah. So, his, his Blackboard stuff was more kind of, you know, not just there, but it wasn't as entertaining, like there wasn't really that that cool Easter egg thought provoking factor to it anymore. Uh, to a point, I can see what you're saying. It that Jeff Johns definitely had you know the the advantage on that one. Um, but the fact that Dan Jurgens did keep it around, and there were definitely, you know, there were definitely some cool things here and there that he did sprinkle in. But uh, I mean, the first issue of of the the Giffen run. Like I'm looking at the blackboard and it's it's math equations, and like random math equations that don't actually mean anything. You know, it's like so it's like they're not even doing stuff for their own series. It's like they just said, you know what, we're just cutting this out completely. So it's just it's a bummer. I think you're just disappointed that Jurgens left the issue after he basically promised to bring back Wave Rider. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. God. So is the fact that because linear, uh, linear men, Time Masters, Time Masters is um. This is that book that this is one of those books where like it's a mini series that started out as two ninety nine and is jumping to three ninety nine as of issue like two or three. Right? Oh God, I do not want to get into this. But yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, we don't we don't have to like go into it. Like, are you still going to like? Is that going to deter you? Or are you still going to? Yeah, get definitely. It? Uh, without a doubt, like this. And additionally, like, you know, beyond the whole, um, you know, it being the Linear Men, you know, it being Dan Jurgens, it being Green Lantern, like, to me, like, I kind of feel like this is going to be, like, the part of Booster Gold that I really did enjoy a lot, just kind of, like, encapsulated, like, they're going to, like, take out, okay, Booster Gold was... You know, he was good in his series, but I guess it was it was a lot of the other, you know, aspects of that series that I really did like. You know, I love time travel. And, you know, I liked seeing, you know, them work work with the time travel and everything like that. Um, so I'm just going to get a whole lot more of that in this miniseries. So I'm definitely willing to pay for that. Yeah, and I got the impression, like, like 
this was the book where if you miss Dan Jurgen's Boots Are Gold, read this miniseries because that's what this is. Because it's, it's basically it's like it's. I mean, Dan Jurgens is writing this too, right? Yeah, yeah, he is, and and writing and art. Yeah, he's doing the writing. He's doing the art, just like he did on Booster Gold. It's about Booster Gold and Rip Hunter going through time to find something or fix something, just like the Booster Gold series. And he's and he's he's thrown in Green Lantern and Superman for fun. Why not? <laughs> so it's like. It it seems like it could have been like a story arc in his run of Booster Gold. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's it, it's a good alternative for people that don't like uh, the Giffen take. I agree. Did you uh, take a look at that that Hal Jordan bust, the Blackest Night bust line? I did, and I ha- I agree about the the paint job. Something doesn't look quite right to me about it. I I don't I don't really have that big of an issue because. I mean, to me, it kind of makes sense. Like, I have a feeling that where the the green looks shiny, I think when we finally see that in person, I think that's going to be metallic. So I, I think it'll actually, you know, work a lot better than the image shows. But, I mean, like, for me, the the major deterrent is the fact that, like, these things are, like, 70, 80 bucks. Yeah. So... I mean, even with a discount, that's that's expensive, and they're basically going to be rolling these things out like once every month or two. Yeah. So, and they have a lot of them planned. So, I mean, like, I'm going to look at them on a case by case, you know, basis, and you know, if one comes out that I really want, like, you know, maybe we'll see with Larflees or Saint Walker or something like that. But you know, isn't this the exact conversation we had about the battery props? And then you saw how it was discounted on DCBS, so you got all of them. <laughs> no, there was just there's just the one battery prop right now, and that's the Sinestro. Oh yeah, right now. Uh. <laughs> well, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I don't know, like the bus, they look good, but they're not. They don't blow me away to the point that I'm going to need to collect all the busts. Um, Rage Kitty needs a bus. <laughs> that would be pretty fun. I would. I think I would have to have Dude. that one. I would be. I would be like obligated to get that. Yeah, you, you should. You should own that one. Um, what you got? I think it's it's very very interesting that we finally find out. Like you know, we finally get a nailed down version of what the Orange Lantern Oath is from a magnet set in the back of previews. Do you think that really is it, though? Yes. Or do they just not know no. Oh, I think that's totally what it is. And I think that they've been stringing us along for a while. Because, you know, Larflees did... They said that Larflees' oath will be in, you know, this issue. You know, whatever. And, yeah, there was, like, an issue, like, a while back. Um, You know, the one of the uh, Agent Orange storyline. And they said that, you know, you'll find out because he's going to say it. And then they said it a few issues, like, you know, later in something else. It's like, oh, he's going to say his oath in this issue. And he never actually says an oath, but he definitely says mine plenty of times. Well, there was that, uh, that, uh, splash in, uh, Blackest Night number six or seven or something, where all of them are charging and saying their oaths and Larflees doesn't say anything. Or, well, did he say mine or did he just, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember, but, um. Yeah, I don't think he said, like, any... He definitely didn't come up with, like, you know, a big oath. 
But you know, like they they always they they keep saying it's like, oh yeah, when we when you find out Laura flees his oath, it's gonna be amazing. And I think that they were like purposely like misdirecting, so that nobody would realize that his, you know, his oath would be something as simple as mine. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't even care anymore. Just either give him one or don't. I don't. Just whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. And and uh, I guess the only other thing that I wanted to comment on was uh, I am definitely looking forward to that Magnus Robot Fighter series. Um, what you call it? The there was one other thing that I wanted to mention, and I went to the comic book store today, and uh, one of the comics that I bought, and I actually read this one already, was the Broken Trinity, Pandora's Box issue one. Is uh, is that that um top cow. the Top Cow thing? Yeah. yeah. I like. I heard about the the artifact story, and now this has absolutely nothing to do with Green Lantern. So it's complete, you know, moving away from Green Lantern. Just wanted to talk about this for a moment. Like the stuff that they've been doing with Top Cow. Like I've been kind of curious about it for a while, but I haven't really, you know, decided at what point what I wanted to jump into it. But this this artifact storyline just it seemed really cool. So, um, like, I'm waiting for the artifact story to start. That'll be, like, within the next month. And, uh, you know, the guy at the comic shop, you know, he gave me this issue, Broken Trinity Pandora's box number one. I didn't even know if they've come out with more issues for it. Probably they have, because I think it came out in, like, January. But it was really good. I, I mean, like, you know, they're detailing some of the artifacts, you know, in this universe and they give you, like, a lot of information about who these characters are. So, like, you know, the last time I read a Top Cow book was, like, you know, I don't know, Witchblade number 10 or something like that. Now they're on, like, you know, more than 100 issues later. I, I have no idea what's going on in the universe, but this, like, it gives you enough information to catch you up to speed so that you actually have an understanding, you know, and you're interested in what's going to happen. There was, actually, now you say this, where is it? Someone, I I almost don't think it was Top Cow. Let me see here. I'm going to DCBS, because I did my order uh, the other day. Mm -hmm. And, alright, let's look under specials. I saw something, and I'm like, what, really? They had, actually find it. They're they're uh, soliciting a Witchblade trade, basically to get to get a uh, new readers in to give them an easy entry point. Mm-hmm. It it collects uh, its issues like one thirty one to one thirty five. It's uh, it's part of the Ron Mars era. I don't know how current they are, or I don't know what issue they're up to, but like this thing, this trade is. Like in store price is four ninety nine, <laughs> and on DCBS it was two forty nine. Oh, so I'm like, I'm like seriously. So I, like the, basically for the same price that I got, I could get like like an issue of Green Lantern or something, or a little slightly more. I I ended up getting like an entire trade of Witchblade that's designed to be a jumping on point. So. You know, who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll end up reading <laughs> some Top Cow stuff after this. Oh man, <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, I gotta look for that one. Yeah, I, I, 
the stuff that they've been doing, it's like, you know, it just, it seems so cool and I want to read it. It's just like, you know, okay, at what point do I jump on? And like this artifact story just seems like it's, it's completely designed to bring on a new reader. So I'm just like, you know what? It's a great sounding concept. You know, they're going to reunite like the 13 artifacts you know, and in the process, tell you what all the artifacts are and what they do and just give you like like a complete like almost like a Bible to this entire universe. And yeah, cause this is like the big event crossover of the Top Cow universe. Yeah, they don't usually do this kind of thing. Yeah. And, and actually, I was listening to Comic Geek Speak and they were talking to the editor from Top Cow. I heard that, too. Yeah. And he was saying he's like, you know, this is our major crossover. He's like, and. You don't have to buy all the books to understand the crossover. He's like, you know, we're going to make it so that the crossover is going to be self-contained. He's like, but if you want to follow along with all of the books, that's only like three issues. Because there's only, you know, it's like very few series that they actually put out. Yeah, it's like Witchblade, Darkness, and something else. Yeah. Maybe the, the actual miniseries itself. Yeah, Magdalena. Hey, I don't know. yeah. Has Witchblade always been Top Cow? At least when Ron Mars has been writing it? I believe so. Because on... Maybe it was just a mistake, but the DCBS thing, I just found it, and it's... Like, the trade I, was, I told you about is... It's listed under the Image section. Oh, was yeah, well... Um, image is... Uh, Top Cow is put out under Image. Oh, yeah. it is? Oh, I thought it was like it's... A totally separate thing. Like, no, it's like a subdivision huh. of Image. So is is Top Cow to Image like kind of what Vertigo is to DC kind of thing? Where it's like, it's still DC, it's just called something Sort different. of. Um, although, if, you know, it'd be more along the lines of like, if uh, Vertigo had much more like independence and, you know, a lot more ability to make their own decisions away from, you know, the overall DC company. I, th I think it's like Top Cow is a studio, you know, that makes their own comics, like almost like an independent, like, almost as if they were like a completely independent company, but they're under the image banner. So they put out their comics under image. They promote image. Um, they take part in like the image crossover. Uh, what was that? That giant war of the image, you know, crossover. Oh, Image United. That's it, yeah. I actually, I, t I totally forgot that, um, that, uh, Witchblade was in Yeah, that. exactly. Completely forgot. Okay, that makes sense now. I, 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 I had no idea they were linked. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that, and I'm sure that I'll mention it again once I, you know, start reading the series. Oh, me too. I, I got a freaking trade coming, so it'll, <laughs> it'll probably come up. Yeah, look for that, too. I mean, if you can get it on DCBS, it's like two bucks, and even if you can't, stores will have it for five bucks. Yeah, yeah. Skip two Brightest Day books that you don't give a crap about and get a Witchblade trade. <laughs> I don't have the, the website open right now, but on our Facebook page, um, one of our listeners... And since I don't have the Facebook page open, I don't want to massacre his name. Um, I know, I think his initials are DF. <laughs> All 
Alright. Oh, Jesus Christ. Doubt. Alright, I'm just gonna spell it, and all of you out there in podcast land can interpret it as you will. First name, D-A-O-U-D. Last name, F-A-Q-U-I-R-Y-A-N. Faquirian? Dowd Faquirian? Sure. Maybe it's okay. Um, but yeah, he he went on to explain uh, the meanings of Adara and Prosely from you know our last episode. You wanna you wanna explain it because I don't have it open. Oh, all right. <laughs> God damn it! <sighs> Make you do all the work. So you're, you're all yeah. You show up an hour late and you're still not prepared. All right. <laughs> He says, Hey guys, the names of the hope and compassion entities have a little more significance than what you mentioned. Adara is the second brightest star in the constellation Canis Major, and one of the brightest stars in the nighttime sky. It shines blue, so it actually fits into the Blue Lantern Oath and their powers to rejuvenate stars into healthy young blue ones. And... Uh, Protolite? Protoslite? How do we pronounce Prosolite. Prosolite. Oh, I was putting a T in there? Jeez. <laughs> Prosolite is a biblical term which was used to refer to, to converts to Judaism, i.e. a newcomer to the faith in Air Bunnies. This could be because Prosolite was the last to come into being. Kind of hard to believe it took so long for something to feel compassion. I don't know who this prosolete is, but I guess I could fit for Squishy. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, thank you, Dowd. We appreciate the, uh, going the extra mile for the research for us. Yeah, that, and it does, that is a very good point about, you know, about, uh, tying it back into St. Walker and Worth rejuvenating those, that star mm-hmm. that one time. That was actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I Honestly, the, the thing that I keep, that keeps... Not even nagging at me, but like the first thing I always think of whenever I hear this blue entity's name now is the fact that back in the Kyle Rayner run, like the first alien ex Green Lantern he ever met was a woman named Adara, who killed herself <laughs> because she could because she couldn't like she stole his ring, but at the time the ring was like DNA locked to Kyle, so it wouldn't work for her. So she realized I can never have my old life back, and she took her own life. So, like I always, I I immediately think of her whenever I see this car- this entity's name. I don't expect it to tie into her in any way, shape, or form. It's just like a coincidence. She just had to hold out a little while longer, and uh, it all would have worked out. Oh yeah, if she could just hang in there for another 13 years, everything would be better. Well, you know it wasn't 13 years in the DC Universe. Oh, yeah, but you know. <laughs> Are we done? I think so, I can't think of it. I mean, I'm sure that I could come up with other... Oh, oh, there was one oh, thing. Jesus. I got my uh, my trades from John Godwin. Oh, so did I. What'd you get from him again? Oh, I got four Green Lantern trades. Um... The one that I'm most looking forward to reading is the Green Lantern Trader storyline from the DC Legends 
line. You never read that? I thought you did. No, like I've I've read it. Like okay, I've definitely read the Kyle Rayner issue, and I vaguely remember like going through the you know the Hal Jordan of the Abin Sir issue, but like I don't remember them clearly. So like I'm looking forward to you know giving that a you know a full read. We see Abin Sir get the ring. I own that trade. Have 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 fun with that. <laughs> um, well, that sounds ominous. Yeah. <laughs> we you know we may end up having to talk about this story. So we definitely we'll should. Have, we we should. We'll we'll pencil that in <laughs> to the imaginary schedule. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I got that. I got a few other Green Lantern trades that we'll be definitely discussing those stories in the future. Um. But uh, yeah, and, and it came in an envelope, and and John decorated it with all the uh, lantern symbols. Oh, mine too. Mine's better though. Yeah, you wish, you wish. <laughs> yeah, my I got books from him that have nothing to do with Green Lantern whatsoever. <laughs> I got um, the Flash Dead Heat trade that was a Mark Wade story, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Iron Heights. Which was uh, Johns and Van Skyver, you know, good Van Skyver. Oh man! <laughs> on, uh, That's on the awesome. flash. Oh wow! Did you see? I I think it was put on Facebook that uh, that picture that either he or Harley Q Bunny did, of like Rage Kitty chasing Black Lantern Chip, and they're both like like little circles with tails. No, what, what is that on? I think it's on one of their Facebook pages, hmm. but like. That was like inside the bag of one of the trades, so I'm like, awesome. Oh, I don't. Yeah, no, I didn't uh, see that. But um, what you call it? Um, since you know, since John does you know help us out, um, I I told him that I would uh, give a shout out. Um, his uh, his girlfriend Rachel, who is Harley Q Bunny on the forums, um. She is doing commissions right now, so if you go on the the forums, like you'll see like the big thread for all our commissions. She has like you know a bunch of different prices. Like it's really cool because you can get some really decently priced sketches for cheap, and you can also get some like really nice actual paintings on canvas that are still like very affordable. Yeah, and we'll put her uh, we'll put her deviant art link into the show notes too because it has a lot of her stuff up there that's a good idea (laughs) (laughs) let's 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 hope we don't forget (laughs) oh oh man i just remembered and i'm so glad that i did remember okay um i guess i'll post it with this episode the red lantern power battery tutorial oh yeah you finally finished that yeah i got it all written up and you know got a ton of pictures so as if you're listening to this, then you know you can go to the website, and there'll be a nice big link for the Red Lantern battery tutorial. So check that out. Uh, God, it's like three months later. <laughs> oh please, uh, that's basically how I work pace wise with images. Um, and oh, and if you entered our contest for the Aroba Silver Ring. I had mentioned that we would be, uh, you know, sending you out either a link or a file for the Lost episode that we recorded 
a long time ago. That episode is finally, like, all, you know, cleaned up. So that should be going out very shortly. Have we even, have we ever heard from, um, oh, who won? Jacob? No. No. Matthew. Who won? Matthew Guy. Matthew. M Guy. God, I did this again. I did that once before, too. Damn it. Um, he's has he still hasn't gone back to me with his like rings eyes or style he wants or anything. Okay, so Matthew, Matthew, get cracked on that. Let us know. Yeah, you want a free ring, an awesome free ring, like months ago. Take advantage of this. Yeah. Uh, and we've gotten some emails here and there as far as like what's going on with Aroba Silver, and the official statement is we have no idea right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, like, word on the street is that, like, you know, there's, there's no word right now. Um, but we are, we are definitely looking into it. And to everybody that has emailed us, just, like, you know, stay patient and we will let you know as soon as we have any information. Yep. So, I think that about covers it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, what you call it? I... Yeah, no, we'll have to wait for the other contest that we're going to be starting up soon. Okay. Oh, we have some awesome contests that we'll be starting. I'll take your word for that. <laughs> you should. And, wait, wait, and I'm just, I'm going to tease something because they're, like, we're at the very, like, you know, the complete beginning stages of this, but just going to say one word to try and build a little excitement, and that one word is shirts. Oh, all right. I thought it was going to be a contest thing. <laughs> no, no, not. So I still have, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about for these contests either, so, mm, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's for the best. Yeah. <laughs> God. Okay. All right. Take us out. Okay. If you would like to email us, you can do so at lanterncast at gmail.com, or you can email us individually at jim, dan, or jason at lanterncast.com. You can go to our website, which is lanterncast.com. There you'll find a link to the forums. You'll find a link to our Facebook page. Uh, if I can get it linked up, eventually you may find a link to Rage Kitty's Twitter account. Which is? Twitter.com slash Rage Kitty. Yes. Oh, that was a good guess. <laughs> well, seriously, what else could it be? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how Twitter works with their their fancy code and whatnot. Um, Damn heathens. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, what do we got? Um... Our forum? Do we tell them about the forum? Yeah, well, the link to the forum is on the webpage. You can also get to our forums at thecomicforums.com. Scroll down to L for Lantern Cast. And we're on iTunes. Check us out on iTunes. Download or download an episode from there or from our website and uh, leave us a review on iTunes because that helps us out and makes us feel good, makes us feel special. Uh, we have a voicemail line, which is uh, 206-6007, and then three additional digits. 
God. <laughs> That's closer than I would have gotten. Oh. <laughs> uh, let's see. You th- you would think we would remember this by now. Oh, well, how often? You would think that we would you would think that we would write this down at some point. <laughs> Two zero six six zero zero seven three five seven. Oh my god. Oh. And uh the the music that you will be listening to for our opening and closing lately is uh by a band called Desinu and the song is Green Ice and you can find them on garageband.com. Let us know what you think. Yeah. All right. Okay. Night. Night, everybody. (laughs) 